It's six minutes after the hour, and this is the Around the House program. Good to have you with us. Thanks for sharing your weekend with us here on Around the House. We're delighted that you're checking in. We'd love to hear from you. Checking in by a phone would be a good idea. and Just do that at 719-473-1240. is the contact line, and we're, again, glad you're, you're with us and sharing your weekend with us here in our 30th year. Here on the uh, on the radio, uh, doing our Saturday thing, we'll be here a couple hours talking about that special place that you and I call home. And you know, I like to begin the show with some light-hearted stuff. This was sent to me by a dear friend who's since uh, passed away, but uh, I hang on to this because it's it's really kind of clever. These are little sto- little vignettes, little two two or three paragraph vignettes about things that actually happened in the world, mostly the United States. Now. You might think these are apocryphal, that mean meaning, as you know, that they really didn't happen, but they could have or should have happened. But these have just enough tinge of reality as I walk through the world, looking at all the folks around us. And the title of this is, you'll get this, They Walk Among Us. So these are, these are pretty cute. And these, as I say, just have just enough uh, tinge of what I see happening around in our culture that I think maybe there most of these actually happen. Some guy bought a new fridge for his house to get rid of the old fridge he put in his front yard, hung a sign, free to a good home. You want it, you take it. For three days, the fridge sat there without even one person looking at it. Eventually decided the people were too untrusting of the deal. It looked too good to be true, so he changed the sign to fridge for sale, 50 bucks the next day somebody stole it. You saw that coming, right? One day I was walking down the beach with some friends when someone shouted, look at that dead bird. And my buddy looked up in the sky. Oh, gee, they walk among us, right? While looking at a house, my brother asked the real estate agent which direction was north because he explained he didn't want the sun waking him up every morning. She asked, does the sun rise in the north? When my brother explained it rises in the east and has for some time, she shook her head and said, oh, I don't keep up with that stuff. I used to work in technical support for a 24-7 call center. One day I got a call from an individual who asked what hours the call center was open. I told him the number you dial is open actually 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He responded, is that Eastern or Pacific time? I hung up. My colleague and I were eating our lunch in a cafeteria when we overheard one of the administrative assistants talking about the sunburn she got on her weekend drive to the shore she drove down in a convertible, but didn't think she'd get sunburned because the car was moving. Now, there's a certain logic to that, is if you think about it, right? Uh, let's see here. And this one, I'll bet this really happened because I've had a similar thing in my life. My friends and I were on a beer run and noticed cases were discounted 10%. Since it was a big party, we bought two cases. The cashier multiplied two times 10, gave us a 20% discount on both. I have, have a feeling that actually that actually did happen. Finally, let's see. What, yeah, is this the last one? Working at a pizza parlor when I was a kid, I observed a man ordering a small pizza to go. He appeared to be alone, and the cook asked him if he would like it cut into four pieces or six. He thought about it for some time before responding, cut it into four pieces. I don't think I'm hungry enough to eat six. Ah, they walk among us. That's the title of that. Anyway, I get a kick out of some of those in there. Kind of cute, as they say. Let's see here. 
need another pile. There is a pile right there. Anyway, I wanted to talk. We had the last three weeks, two weeks, something like that. We talk about the culture war over gas stoves. And we were talking, I was talking to the boys in the control room and the gas stove thing, which popped up about three weeks ago, is sort of gone away, kind of. Uh, people were outraged. Chefs were talking about boycotting and not cooking in restaurants anymore. And uh, there was, the thing was, keep your cotton-picking fingers off my gas stove was kind of the reaction. So it's kind of gone under the radar. Now, the the government hasn't disavowed it, but even if this particular gas stove thing doesn't happen, uh, the Wall Street Journal thinks that it's part of a coming culture war that has nothing to do with gas stoves in particular, but has a lot to do with gas as a fossil fuel. So you remember the story, Trumpka, who is a, uh, a commissioner at the CPS, Consumer Product Safety Commission, uh, talked about gas stoves, a hidden uh, hazard. Any option is on the table. Products that can't be made safe can be banned. Gas stoves, of course, are are have a, are a little more fumy when they uh, when they cook. But it's not the stove; it's the ventilation. Anyway, we talked about all this last uh, last week. Uh, <clears throat> uh, so the Wall Street Journal says progressive el- cities like Berkeley, California, San Francisco, New York City have already banned gas stoves and other appliances in new buildings. We talked about that last week. New York Governor Kathy Hochul said this week. Proposed a ban on gas equipment, including stoves, starting in 2025. That's not that far away. Come 2030, New Yorkers won't be allowed to replace their gas stoves with new ones if they break down. How about that? As you begin making a transition, everybody will have to switch out to electric. No mention, of course, that electric stoves have a hazard, and that is they're hot when you turn them off. The kids can burn their hands and all that. Okay. And the other thing is, of course, if you... Have to replace your gas stove with electric. You got to spend six, seven hundred dollars on a on a new electric line to your kitchen. The Biden administration says the Wall Street Journal is also aiding and abetting the anti-gas stove cause. Last year, it filed a brief with the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals supporting a gas ban by Berkeley, California, gas banning entirely. Why would the federal government weigh in on a local regulatory case if not for climate solidarity? So here we go. Progressives claim that gas stoves produce pollutants that are harmful to human health, but pollution comes, as I said, from poor ventilation, not from natural gas. And let's see here. Uh, Last week, Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm, who's a real genius, retweeted a link to a study linking gas stoves to asthma. We can and must fix this, she tweeted. Uh, Through the Inflation Reduction Act, Americans will have greater access to inflation induction cooktops and electric. Now listen to this. The Inflation Reduction Act, which passed, what, in December sometime, includes an $840 rebate for electric stoves. So you get an electric stove, the government sends you a check uh, for $840. How about that as a way to spend taxpayers' money? And the Wall Street Journal concludes, and this is the big point here, there really is a culture war coming over gas stoves and everything else involving fossil fuels because climate has become for the left a matter of core cultural identity. Progressives want to impose their values on the lifestyle of everybody else, including in the kitchen. If subsidies don't work, coercion will soon follow. When they can't win the political debate, 
They resort to brute government force, which we've seen all the time. They really are coming for your stove and your furnace and your gas dryer and everything on your gas fireplace, presumably. But um, I, th- I think it's interesting. This is just the, you know, the government does this so much. They fire one little mini shot at the beginning just to get you used to the idea, well, you know, uh, natural gas, maybe it is kind of, and then you back off and then it come, they come back again. And, it, and that, that's how it goes with governments imposing their will on the rest of us. You know, if my kid had asthma or some kind of respiratory issue, I'd get an electric stove and have a nice day, right? But if your kids don't have asthma and you like cooking with gas, have a nice day also. You should be able to cook with whatever you want to. But what this is going to keep coming up and coming up. Pretty soon, you watch in Colorado, I don't know about Wyoming. Wyoming's pretty independent state, independent thinking up there. But in Colorado, one of these days, we're not going to be allowed to put gas furnaces, gas dryers, gas logs or fireplaces, and gas stoves in new home, homes. You can feel it coming. It's going to happen sometime, and we'll be stuck with electric. And as you know, in our climate, heating with electric is terribly expensive and very inefficient. Anyway, we keep talking about it, but it keeps happening in, uh, in, in our country because the government uh, just likes to tell us how they want us to live and drive and what to wear and uh the kind of transportation we need and kind of houses we need to live in and all that. So it's never ending and it's coming down the pike. And I'm, uh, I'm just sad to think that, you know, when I came home this week when it was really cold one evening was, I don't know what it was, less than 20 degrees. And I walked in my house, a snug little house with my natural gas furnace chunking away downstairs. And it felt so comforting and comfortable the thought of having that taken away from me was is really kind of kind of scary and, and, and unbelievable, but it might happen one of these days, and you'll be stuck with an electric heat pump that will triple your heating costs in a cold climate like ours. 719-473-1240. Take a break. We'll be back with your phone calls and email. We have some great email from this week. We'll do it right after this, right here on Around the House. If you're like me, you take your faithful garage door for granted, so why not get a tune-up from Above the Rest? That's the Above the Rest Garage Door Company, so you don't get stuck at home some morning. In the wintertime, of course, your garage door, it's its really a hard season on your garage door, and sometimes it just won't go up, and it's too late to get to work. So for an inexpensive, amazingly inexpensive fee, you can join the premier membership program at Above the Rest, which includes a twice-a-year tune-up for your garage door, including lubrication, tightening nuts and bolts, and uh, adjustment of the springs if they need. And this company has uh, been around for 30 years. I signed up for the program. I'd like you to do the same thing. Give them a call, 719-499-0491, 719-499-0491. If you sign up right away, they'll waive the 150 trip fee for an emergency visit. So... Call the Above the Rest Garage Door Company and ask about the inexpensive Premier Membership Maintenance Program at 719-499-0491. From your faucet to your furnace and everywhere in between, Ken Moon has solutions around the house. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. Hey there, welcome back. 21 minutes after the hour on the Around the House uh, program. Good to have you with us. Our phone number is 
And we have Don on line one, so let's get Don on the air right now. How you doing, buddy? Hello? Hey, hello there. Hi, Can Don. Can you hear me? Yeah. I have a question for you. Yeah. I had I had a uh, an installer from the city utilities come out to my home yesterday. Uh-huh. They said the little RFID box, I guess that's what it's called, that transmits your meter readings and everything to the city. Right, it's kind of cellular thing that, yeah, exactly. Yep. Okay. They said they had to change that out because the battery went dead. Well, they put an upgraded model in there, and while the installer was doing that, I asked him if this was going to, you know, during peak hours, if they had a, you know, excessive amount of natural gas going, if it would cut the gas or the electricity or things like this. He said this one wouldn't do it, but that is coming down the pike, and they're starting to install that in the new homes up on the north end of town here in the springs. Yep, yep. My question, my question to you is, have you heard of that? Now, the, the last thing he told me was that I could opt out of it, and have you heard of that? I have. This is, uh, when my show is Denver-based, Excel is already doing this, and if you pay a fee, and I, uh, if I'm sorry, if... If you opt to the program, they will pay you a fee, and I'm not sure it wasn't very much money, maybe a hundred bucks a year. Was it that much? Anyway, yeah, Excel is doing this, and so what they do is they, if you want, it's mostly electricity. I haven't heard of this happening with natural gas, Don. But in the summertime, when the loads in the afternoon are really maxed out because everybody's air conditioning. If you join this program, then they cut off your air conditioner just when you need it the most, from, I think, 3 p.m. to 7 p.m., something like that. So, yeah, this will give them the ability to, and I think the same, uh, there, there's been a program out east where the rural electric companies operate, Mountain View and all those companies, of cutting off your electric water heater uh, under similar circumstances when the air conditioning load is is really high. They take control of your of your uh electric water heater so yeah it is coming but in in uh in denver for excel you can indeed opt out i think it may be called smart metering but i i may have the name of the program wrong but it's coming down the pike because control listen this whole thing goes to control and the authorities including utility companies let alone the state local and federal governments want control instead of Instead of building power plants and drilling for natural gas, they'd rather control how you how you live your life. So I would opt out of this. I would if if you have the opportunity. But you're right; it is a coming thing. And in California now, it's a requirement in all new homes to install wireless thermostats, which means they can actually take control of your thermostat at some central location, power company, or uh, some agency of the state government and turn your thermostat up and down willy-nilly based on the uh, needs of the uh, of the grid so yeah it is coming now you're this is not part of what they did for you is it that's not what he according to what the installer was telling me that was not what he did yeah uh, what he told me the battery was dead they didn't make that old unit anymore mm-hmm and they upgraded it with the next model, and the ne- the model next generation is going to be the one I was telling you about. Now, another question for you. I'm kind of a simple guy. 
You know, I like things spelled out. Yeah. No, you know, cream puff stuff, okay? But if they're looking at, let's just say, for example, they want to uh, reduce the temperature in my house. Now, I don't have a wireless thermostat, but how in the world are they able to gather that information from my thermostat or even my air conditioner if I had one? That's why I still have a swamp cooler. Yeah. How well, are they able to gather that in their meter and manipulate it? Well, they can't right now, but the California thing I was I was mentioning a minute ago is they want wireless thermostats in new homes that ultimately will be part of this of this grid uh uh it's a it's kind of a it's similar to cellular telephones if you ride right around town in, in the various residential neighborhoods you'll see street light poles which have an odd look to them kind of a, a bulb on the top when that's a wireless uh a, a transceiver that they gather that's where they get the information on your electric gas and water meters it sends it in to CSU here in town. It'll be the same technology, only it'll be your thermostat, and they'll have two-way control over the thermostat. Now, which which of the uh, which of the little uh, trans transmitters did they replace down at your house? Was it uh, gas, electric, or water? Uh, this would have been electric. Okay, that's where all this comes uh, from. Excuse me, electric and water. Yeah, I don't. I haven't seen any any uh, ways that they can control natural gas because you're heating your water and that kind of thing, or, or drinking water. But electric's very easy to control. So they put a little module, hook it up to your air conditioner, and they turn it off when the power grid gets strained. And you'd have to, you have to sign up for the program, and you can opt out. So if it ever comes down the pike, you and I will be opting out for sure. Yeah. You got that right, buddy. Hey, I never knew what those little like left light bulbs are on these street lights. That I'm looking around, I see them all over this place. Here. Yeah, you, the, it's the pole itself will look odd on top. You know what I'm saying? It'll have yes. c- kind of a yeah. bu- kind of a bulge, or it'll look bigger in diameter than the rest of the pole. And that's that. That is a cellular tower. I'm using air quotes now for all of our electric, gas, and water meters. Yep. Uh huh. Man, buddy, you are a wealth of information. Thank you for being on the air. Oh, bless your heart. Thank you for calling, Don. You have a good one. Appreciate your call. Hey, you too, buddy. Bye. Uh, Chris just said, and is that what it's called? Home Smart Service Plan? Is that what it's called? Yeah. We've talked, when the show is Denver-based, we talked about that a lot. And you can opt out, but if you opt in, they turn off your AC just when you need it the most. You know, 3 o'clock in the morning, of course, you can cool your house, but who wants to, right? Anyway, you remember this past summer, didn't we go through this about the grid in California because they're not building new power plants or not upgrading the grid? Uh, they Didn't they say don't plug in your electric cars this summer? I think there was a big deal about that because of the overload of the hot temperatures and the AC uh, straining the grid. So everything they want everything to go electric, but we're not sure how we're going to get the power to do what they want to do because they never say then what, right? In addition to the infrastructure, all of the infrastructure in all of our residential subdivisions is not capable of, of, of handling electric car charging for hundreds of houses. It's going to have to be upgraded. they got to put new cable in, new transformers. 
it's going to be very expensive. But again, unintended consequences are no big deal to people that want to control uh, your life. So there you go. Let's see here. What do we got? Oh, I wanted to <clears throat> wait. I'm going to time for to do another email. Uh, do an email. We'll do that after the break. But I wanted to remind you about the podcast of the program. All our podcasts of the Around the House show go back to first the first of July uh, last year. And once again, thanks to you, our podcast led the pack here at uh, at the station for downloads. It's kind of neat. So did you see that list, guys? Yeah. So we're we're grateful for that. So the podcast of this. Uh, today's show will be up a couple hours or less after we go off the air. So you can get the podcast. You can go to my site, aroundthehouse.com, click listen to podcast. It'll take you to the KRDO site, and there you'll have a choice of of uh, of all the podcasts going back to the 1st of July. So we'd love it if you would uh, if you would do that. 719-473-1240. We'll take a break. Be back right after this, right here on Around the House. You know, it all seems like we're talking about energy. All of our conversations seem to default to energy, and saving it is a big deal because natural gas prices are going to go only in one direction, and that's up. So you need some good windows at your house. If you have ugly old windows, energy-inefficient windows from bygone decades, maybe the wood, aluminum, or steel, you need to get them replaced. And that's a phone call to Dutch's Home Improvement. We'll get that done for you at 719-392-1369. Dutch's carries only the best brands of top quality vinyl windows and they need to get them on your house because you need to save energy that's a huge energy waster at your house old windows give them a call and or you can go to dutcheshomeimprovement.com they've been around over 30 years have only the best installers in town fully licensed and insured so Dutchess is a name i know you've heard you've seen them around town so give them a call your house will look younger than its age and you'll be saving energy Dutchess 392 1369 from your roof to your foundation and everywhere in between, Ken Moon has solutions around the house. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. It's 25 minutes before the hour. Hello to all of our friends and up there in Casper listening on KTWO. We're glad you're with us. I know we they time shift the show to uh, later in the afternoon than, than we do it live down here uh, in Colorado, but that's okay. We're glad you're with us, and if you want to call in, when when the show's on the air in Casper, uh, you really can't call in because there's nowhere to call, but from 1 to 3 p.m. Mountain Time, you can call in anytime you'd like. We'd love to talk to our friends up there in Casper. Jennifer says in an email, I have a window in my shower. We put in a new vinyl window, but now it looks like the wood sill is is rotting <clears throat> uh, maybe so I, I wish you didn't have a wood sill in there a vinyl window is the way to go in a shower of course you don't want a wood window in your shower but you're going to have to dig down in that window sill you take the sill off and see if there's any moisture that's gotten down in the wall cavity itself and just like a dentist who has to remove all of the decay to you that's a terrible uh analogy but <laughs> You know how a dentist has to keep going till all the decay's gone. If there's uh, involvement with moisture down in that wall cavity, you have to keep going down and down until you get all the rotten wood out of there and all the mold. You seal the mold. You want to kill it with hydrogen peroxide and seal it with Kills uh, primer. But get all that sheetrock that's moist and maybe studs that have started to deteriorate. Get all that stuff out of there and then kind of start over. 
Uh, but your wood windowsill, it's that's got to go. You want a, some kind of tile, impervious wood, a windowsill in the shower, and you want it to slope a little bit. One of the things that most people don't realize is that when we build a new home, the tile setters, if they put up, say, a, they, they cut little strips of ceramic tile and put them over the windowsill, they put a little what we call cant in there. C-A-N-T means a little bit of a slope, so the water drains off. So when you get all the old sheetrock and uh, moldy uh, two-by-fours out of there, and it may not be, you may just have uh, wet uh, sheetrock and wood in that cavity. If so, open it up and let it dry out for four or five days till it's nice and dry and then you can spray some kills in there if there's a little mold and start but if the wall is is it, once it dries out if it's secure and and it doesn't wiggle or push in or or you know it doesn't doesn't cave in when, when you touch it if it seems nice and secure and stiff and so on just let it go let it dry out kill the mold the, any mold you see and then start over with some green sheetrock waterproof Green wallboard is the way to go, or even cement backer. You know that you may know cement board is just like it sounds. It's a gray backer for tile, and uh, Durock is one brand. There are many brands uh, of uh, of cement uh, backer backer board, and that would be a good thing to put behind there, and then put the sheetrock over that, and then new tile. But make sure you have an impervious windowsill. And I got I got to tell you that if you have a win- if you have a window in your shower, it's a little bit of a special case. So I want to go one step further. Once you get all of the the bad stuff out of there, the rotten wood and so on, and and uh, sheetrock and whatever you need to replace, put the new tile on. It's a good idea with a window in the shower to put a vinyl shower curtain over it. And the reason is that over time, water splashing as you take your shower and wash your hair splashing on that window and on the windowsill will inevitably lead to deterioration and it's even however assiduous you are about keeping that to a minimum there's bound to be deterioration of the grout lines and the tile and a little bit of water will get in inside the window frame itself some of that will leak outside some will stay in the window frame so it's a good idea to protect a window in a shower with a vinyl shower curtain. Uh, they're, they're very inexpensive, but you know you can leave the if you want light in the bathroom. Of course, you leave the curtain pulled to one side uh, until you take a shower, and then cover the window with the vinyl shower curtain. That'll really protect that window and the wall framing and everything. Uh, uh, it you know we don't put windows in showers uh, hardly at all anymore. If we if we do, if a builder puts a window in a shower it'll be up high out of the water stream you know six or seven feet off the floor like a clear story window but uh, many houses built in the 70s and 80s and even earlier have a you know big three by three or four by three window in the shower and you got to protect that because jennifer you're kind of living through that water splashing in and on that wall over time just breaks things down so a, a vinyl window curtain over that window would be a great idea so thank you that's a good a uh, good email you want to make sure you, you know you, you can also and i've seen this before you can go outside the house and you may see evidence of water leakage right below that window on the outside you may see some uh, like brown streaks where water's gotten in the wall and leaked out through the siding that even makes it worse so that even is a further incentive to get inside that wall and see what's going on you got to seal all that to keep that water out of the wall and um, 
it's hope hopefully it, it's just moisture in there and no rotting wood or moldy conditions i hope for your uh, for your sake so good email jennifer appreciate it 719-473-1240 is our uh email um, it's our phone number our email is aroundthehouse.com second button from the left you can you can email me right here in the studio larry says i have a 1972 house i can't see where the bath fans vent to the outside should i be worried about that larry wants to know well yeah maybe uh they probably in that era we just blew them into the attic and you know at, at the time that was kind of the accepted method uh, including with the city code authorities but it's not a good idea because you're adding unwanted moisture into the attic space and if the attic's underventilated, which many attics are, then you risk getting mold up in that attic. So you're right. You got to blow those bath fans uh, outdoors, Larry. It's you know the bath fans exist for two reasons: for odor and for moisture. And when you're showering in that master bath or whatever bath you use, maybe you take each of you take a shower every morning. So there's just a lot of moisture that gets sent out through that bath fan. If it accumulates in the attic, again, you can get mold. So here's the deal about how to vent a bath fan. Now, it was allowed kind of in the decade of the 90s to, to take that, and there's a three-inch little pipe duct that comes out of your bath fans up into the attic, and you were allowed to point that at a, at a roof vent. You didn't have to take it outside. You just got an extension for that little pipe and pointed that right at a roof vent, thinking that the moisture would would blow out through the roof vent and go outside and everything would be fine. Well, the codes have changed now. Big surprise, right? They are. They're always changing. So now the city requires you to vent all bath fans, kitchen fans, everything directly outside. And it has to have a separate outlet for each bath fan uh, at your house. So now in your case, a 1972 house, uh, I wouldn't want to cut holes in the roof at this point and go down that road. So, Larry, what I'm suggesting, even though technically it may not be legal, it's a lot better than what you have now. I would just extend those bath fan vents up out of the insulation, which is where they probably are now, extend them to the nearest roof vent, and that moist air will blow outside. So that's kind of the kind of the story. You're very astute, Larry, to have noticed that you can't see any vents for your bath fan. With new homes, you know, they're easy to spot. They're a little square, like a little cap. Uh, on on the surface of the roof and that's where they blow outside right now but point them at the at a, the nearest roof vent uh or attic vent that is and you'll be fine It'll, you will have uh improved your situation a lot now i'll bet you it's real dry in our part of the world so the chances of getting uh an attic full of mold are fairly low but why take a chance because i guarantee you if you sell your house the home inspector is going to notice this but if you extend the pipes Point them at the nearest attic vent; they'll let it go. I, I'm I'm just positive um, that uh, that that's the case. So, anyway, Larry, good email. Yeah, and you're as I say, you're very alert to have spotted the absence of bath fan vents. This is something that uh, has kind of gone away with newer homes, but it's houses built in the decades from the 90s and earlier. This is a this is a concern. 719-473-1240. We're going to take a break and be back with more of some of the great emails this week. And we have live email at aroundthehouse.com. We'll be right back. Well, I met Jim and his wife, Anna, from uh, Click Heating and Air Conditioning this week. We had a great 
conversation. He reminded me of something that I'd kind of forgotten about, and that is that new government regulations mean you've got to pay more for air conditioning in the future. But right now, Click Heating and Air has a limited supply of 13 SEER air conditioners. But once they're gone and the new regulations kick in, it's going to cost a 1000 bucks or more for your new air conditioning system. So you need to get this done now. Call Click Heating and Air and say you want central air so you don't have to go through another sweltering summer. And if you haven't had your furnace checked this season, you got to get that done too. They've got a special deal at click mention uh, ken moon and around the house get a full service on your furnace for only 79 bucks that's a 20 dollars discount but the big news from this commercial is that you got to get air conditioning now before the prices go up and the regulations kick in call click at 719-782-5425 or visit their cool website at clickheatingandair.com around the house with ken moon give him a call now at 719-473-1240 that's 719-473-1240 welcome back to the program 11 minutes before the hour on the around the house show oh hey uh, guys uh, matt and chris in the control we t- we've been talking about plastic bags disappearing in the grocery stores something occurred to me this week that i'd love some feedback from you guys on i went to king supers Okay, and I brought a couple, like a good boy, a couple of cloth bags in, tote bags and things. And I started, and, and the checkout lady, I did a self checkout, and I said, Am I supposed to put these? Because they had plastic bags on the carousel, but they're 10 cents a piece. I wasn't going to pay 10 cents a piece. Should I put these on the carousel? You know, just put them in your cart. So here's the deal. Their, their cost of goods is going to skyrocket because now, instead of that process of scanning and putting them on the carousel, which was supposed to be weighing everything, as you put it there, that thing is not part of the computer anymore. So people just put them right back in their cart. Well, are they going to scan everything in the cart or every other item or forget some or double scan? I think there's a, a weakness in this that sooner or later the, the grocery stores are going to get uh, get wise to. Now, why would you – I mean, if you – if you are not the most honest person, why would you scan everything? Yeah, a cart full of stuff. You scan everything but three or four items and walk out with your cloth bag. So it, to me, there's no there's no check system now of uh, that carousel. When self-checkout started, it would weigh everything and knew what a bottle of milk was supposed to weigh, right? Now that's been bypassed, and I think the grocery stores are going to suffer big time because – uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there who take advantage of it or just forget to scan something. And what's even worse is Walmart has has the gun scanners now, the little trigger scanners, and you can just take it down to your cart and go tick, 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 all the way around the cart and walk out. Are you, are you going to get everything? Are you going to forget some things or whatever? So this has not been thought through, and we knew that anyway. So many things that we talk about here on the program aren't thought through this this knee-jerk reaction of plastic bags are bad. Okay, so whatever. I mean, you know, I saw an analysis this week, and I don't, if I remembered, I'd tell you where, about, oh, landfills are, landfills are going to overwhelm us if we don't get control of some of this stuff. This, this guy said, if the United States were a football field, all of the landfills in the country would not even touch the one-inch line. I mean, we have – it's a big, big country, and landfills as a percent of our 
land area are virtually zero. But uh, this this frenzy to get rid of plastic stuff uh, has unintended consequences. And one of these is I think the ga- the grocery stores uh, have bought into something that's going to really hurt their hurt their bottom line. So we'll see how that works out. But I was a good boy, and I brought in my my cloth bags, and everybody's happy. So I, I'll be darned if I'm going to pay ten cents for a plastic bag when six of that goes to the government and and so on. So that's interesting. I just just hit me this week when she said, "Now nah, just leave everything in your cart." Hello, okay. How about that? Anyway, is that is that what you're understanding, Matt? Same thing. Yeah, I didn't get it until. Until yesterday, that's 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 interesting. Brian says, "I want an insert in my fireplace. What do you think about wood or natural gas? Give me kind of the pros and cons. I don't like wood in in a house. Uh, wood smells up the house. I don't care how careful you are. It gets in the drapes and clothing and carpeting. Clings to the drywall because wood smoke uh, particulates are electrostatic and they cling to the walls. Don't like wood. Sorry." Uh, Pellet stoves are okay. They're fairly clean burning and have their own air circulation system, but they're kind of expensive. Pellet stoves are a good idea if you're out in the boondocks and have propane or you know, maybe all-electric heat. But I like the idea of a natural gas insert. A natural gas insert slides into your existing wood fireplace. Uh, it, it's, they, they hook up a new flue, and they run this a flexible aluminum flue pipe right up to the roof and put a cap on top. But a natural gas insert is like a mini furnace. It's like a 30,000, 35,000 BTU furnace in your family room. They come with decorative fronts on them like shiny brass or antique bronze or whatever you want with remote controls. They have a blower built in. They're kind of sexy, if that's a good word for a gas insert. They're a little pricey, around 3000 bucks or so, but they add real value to a house. And if you have a family room, say, in a, in a tri-level, and you're there all evening watching TV and that room gets cold because the heat all goes upstairs, a natural gas insert in your existing fireplace is a good idea. Now, most new homes built in the last 20 years, 25 years or so, have natural gas sealed fireplaces with a glass front and you know all that but i'm talking about older homes that have an existing wood-burning fireplace whether it's an old brick masonry fireplace or one of the steel fireplaces either one uh, a natural gas insert is a great idea so forget the wood brian get the natural gas uh insert and uh, I, I just think it's a great way to heat the house particularly in areas that are cold uh anyway so and the remote control makes it so easy. You get on there with a cup of coffee in the morning, click the remote control, and you have that beautiful fire. And, you know, you'll see, it has a glass front, so you see the fire. It has ceramic logs, so it looks like a looks like a real fire. So it's a good idea. I would not do wood. I would stay away from wood stoves, wood inserts, wood anything. I know uh, some of you believe in wood, and that's fine. You like that smell. But to me, you walk into a, a house that has a wood as a fuel and it just is i just don't like that you can't get away from that smell right because it gets in everything 719-473-1240 gail says my furnace makes a popping sound when it shuts off is there any uh cure for this <sighs> yeah but it's all trial and error it's hard to to pin down where these poppings come from it can be Hopefully, it's just the furnace. There's a big box that sits on top of your furnace. It's called a plenum, and it's a big sheet metal box. And if the popping sound is in there, 
then it's easy for a heating contractor to to fix it. They can put uh, some uh, metal straps and some screws uh, to add a little stress, or de- they can even take a, a a ball peen hammer and deform the plenum a little bit to put a couple of dents in it, if you will, to just get the stress in a different location. That's all easy to do. However, <clears throat> what I'm afraid of is the popping sound is out in the actual heating system itself, like in one of the branch lines that goes to one of the rooms, or you know what I'm saying, not, not immediately around the furnace. It's hard to say. So, Gail, you're going to have to track that down, and it's very difficult. Uh, it's first of all, it's difficult to recreate uh, a, a you know a, a, a deal. Um, it, if, you know, in the middle of the night, you hear the furnace popping. Three o'clock in the afternoon, you're trying to make it pop, and it won't because the temperatures are all different, the inside temperature and all that. It's a matter of of metal stressing and straining as you get thermal expansion and contraction. That's what's going on here. But try to pin it down to a given branch, maybe a given room, then you can go to that particular branch line and, and again, do some, uh, put some metal straps or some screws in there or even... Uh, inside the duct i've done this before where you take a a piece of copper pipe and actually uh, stress the duct by shoving a piece of copper pipe in it that's a little little longer than the diameter of the tube if you get what i'm saying and and you kind of twist it so it stresses that tube a little bit and the popping goes away but you got to pin that down and it's difficult to do so you can have your heating contractor come and and look at that for you and try to Try to pin it down, but this is a trial and error thing. It's difficult, uh, and um, hopefully, uh, and the good news is that most of these sounds do come from that plenum box on top of your furnace. And the reason is that's the biggest piece of sheet metal in your house, which has the most thermal expansion and contraction when it heats up and cools down. So I hope that's helpful to you, Gail. Yeah, it's very frustrating. Some of those pops and clicks can be so strong, that, you know, and so loud they wake you up in the middle of the night but that's part of having the heating system come on and off okay you can adjust your thermostat maybe your thermostat needs to be a little lower while you're sleeping so the furnace doesn't come on in the first place that's part one part two right around the corner after the news of around the house give us a call 719-473-1240 right here on around the house Welcome back. It's six minutes after the hour. I've got emails, occasional emails. What's the the theme? I don't know how long I've used that. It's been probably 10 years or so. That's 40 Miles of Bad Road by Dwayne Eddy and his twangy guitar. Is Dwayne Eddy still alive? You could look that up for me. Huh? Um, I, I probably not, but uh, he started with a uh, with a song called Rebel Rouser back in the uh, 57 or something like that. But that 40 Miles of Bad Road, I've always... I've always liked that song. His twangy guitar, that wow guitar sound, was an accident, by the way. Somebody uh, damaged a speaker, the speaker cone when we had those uh, in the studios in the old days. They cracked the speaker cone, and it got a little distortion in it, and everybody liked it, and that's how Dwayne Eddy's twangy guitar came to be. And that that distorted sound is still, uh, now it's digitally produced, but it's still part of recording uh, to this very day that, that kind of odd, twangy sound. 84 is still alive. Well, good for him. That's very neat. Uh, thank you 
uh, for that. Dwayne Eddy. Yep. Let's see. What do we got here? Oh, 719-473-1240 and live email. Is there any email? I see it right here in the studio at aroundthehouse.com. Second button from the left if you want to uh, check in with me. Uh, and uh, I'd love it. Uh, that would be great. I'll see it right here in the studio, as I say. Uh, this is from, <clears throat> who is this from? Bill, I have an, I, I think I have an old asbestos floor in the basement. What should I cover it with? Well, if your house was built uh, earlier than the 70s, maybe let's just say uh, mid-70s or earlier, you may indeed have what we call VA tile, vinyl asbestos tile. There never was a lot of asbestos in it, but there were some. If it's in good shape, the best thing to do with anything that you think has asbestos in it is to leave it alone. When we try removing pieces, they break, or we try to grind them down, there's an, a, a chance of releasing asbestos fibers into the atmosphere. Um, so it's best to just, as I say, leave it alone, install carpet or hard tile right over the old stuff. If there are cracked or broken edges or pieces, of your vinyl asbestos tile, you can use some of that kills, shellac-based kills, to kind of seal those edges, okay? Uh, and um, the tile or carpet right over the top would be just fine. Uh, other asbestos sources in your house, if your house is built, as I say, from the uh, mid-'70s or earlier, drywall taping and texturing compounds uh, were uh, had a little asbestos in them. So when you remodel older house, it's best... Uh, to prevent releasing dry particles into the air. The secret is to keep the areas wet, dispose of the rubble in sealed plastic bags, for example. Don't breathe anything, you know, wetting it down. The uh, best thing to do is leave it alone, but if you have to cut a hole in a wall or knock a wall out, assume you have asbestos. And if your house is built, uh, again, from that time frame, early uh, mid to early 70s or earlier, you probably have a little lead paint in your walls. Uh, again, you protect yourself by uh, keeping things damp and not breathing. And tent, it's a good idea to tent. If you're, say, remodeling, uh, maybe you're turning two bedrooms into one big master bedroom kind of idea, just tent that whole area off while the remodeling's underway until you get to the new framing and new drywall, which means you have to sleep somewhere else. But just assume you have asbestos and lead paint in these older homes. You don't want to expose yourself. Uh, to that and now there are uh, asbestos mediation uh, remediation companies that can come in they're very expensive so you can uh, you decide what you want to do but uh, you can always keep things wet seal it in plastic bags and and uh, do it yourself and make sure you tent the rooms off and don't let the furnace circulate air through there also seal off the heat vents and and so on i'll leave that up to you if you want to call up uh, a remediation company, uh, a mitigation company is a better word, or not. But, yeah, you probably, you're, you started talking about floor coverings, Bill, and, yeah, vinyl asbestos tiles, easy to put new carpet and pad right over the top and don't even think about removing it. Uh, old furnace ducts, if you're in a really old house that has one of those octopus furnaces in it, you may have asbestos tape wrapped around uh, some of those uh, vents, some of those uh, ducts in the in the basement just leave it in place uh just seal off those uh, you can tell it's asbestos tape is usually about two and a half inches wide and it's kind of yellowy and fibrous looking you can seal those over with a good uh, impervious material like oil-based paint or again two or three coats of the, of the kills sealer 
Uh, don't try to remove that uh, those asbestos tape joints either because all you do is just release particles into the air. Uh, and um, that's kind of the story on, on asbestos because it was here. It was a big deal from uh, actually asbestos came along uh, with plaster. Uh, in the old days when we had horse hair, because there were a lot of horses, we didn't have automobiles. We'd use horsehair as a binder and plaster. When horses went away and the Model T came along, we switched to asbestos, not knowing that there was some danger uh, with uh, asbestos. Chris says, what's the cost for uh, asbestos remediation projects? Uh, five to 10000 bucks, depending on how many rooms. Yeah, it's a lot of money. Uh, and basically, they do what I'm describing. They, they tent the area off. Uh, they remove it. They wear masks and hazmat suits and uh, God knows what else, space helmets or something. Uh, keep keeping things damp, keeping the dust out of the air is a big, a big deal. So uh, have, you can decide that for yourself. But with the vinyl asbestos tile, which we always called VA tile, that's an easy call. Just cover over it and leave it alone, right? 719-473-1240. Jim says, this is one I've been countered before. Uh, uh, my dishwasher won't pull out of the hole. I need a new dishwasher, but I need to get the old one out first. And um, if that's the case, I'll bet you if somebody's added a hardwood floor or a tile floor in your kitchen since the house was built because uh, a new floor is you know, anywhere from three-eighths to five-eighths of an inch thick, and that may be just enough that you can't get the dishwasher out because the uh, because it's too tall now because of the added floor. So it, usually the dishwasher, uh, we leave it in its opening and we floor the new flooring right up to it, but now it's in a lower position on the old floor. So you have to kind of, there's a lot, a lot of messing around to get the dishwasher, uh, to get dishwasher out. Hopefully you can just reach under there and screw those legs all the way in. You, if you, if you were, if you were looking at it from under the dishwasher, you'd turn them uh, turn them uh, clockwise to screw them into the dishwasher frame. That may provide just enough play to get the dishwasher out. Sometimes if you have a Formica countertop, you can loosen the screws to lift the countertop up, maybe a, uh, an eighth to a quarter of an inch, that sort of thing. Uh, sometimes you have to destroy the undercarriage of the dishwasher to actually get it out uh, of the opening. But uh, you're going to have to kind of Use your judgment. Uh, usually there's a way to get it out. And usually if you screw the feet in enough, uh, you can get it out of the uh, out of the opening. But that's a problem when you're putting new flooring in a kitchen. Uh, if you don't take this into account, you might have trouble with the dishwasher. And depending how much play uh, is in it. Because cabinets, of course, are a standard height. They're countertop the top of a countertop is 36 inches, which makes the cabinets about 34 and a half inches tall, and that's a universal size of cabinets. So before you put a new floor in your kitchen, make sure the dishwasher will, uh, you can accommodate getting the dishwasher out. Because Murphy's Law means you put a new floor in and your dishwasher will quit. I guarantee that's part of the thing here. But there's always a way to get it out somehow. Sometimes you have to be a little clever. Sometimes you have to bend the undercarriage of the dishwasher, but you can figure out a way uh, to get uh, to get that done. So that is an issue that comes up more often than you think. 719-473-1240 is our telephone number. It's quarter 
past the hours. We'll take a quick break here. I'll be back with your phone calls and some of this week's email right after this. All right, I want to talk about Above the Rest Garage Door Company. Your garage door is under a lot of stress and tr- strain all year round, but especially in the wintertime because cold metal shrinks and puts the garage door in a bind. And sometimes you might not be able to get out of the house in the morning when you want to. So instead of taking your garage door for granted, call Above the Rest at 719-499-0491 and sign up as I did for their premier membership program. It's amazingly inexpensive. You get a twice-a-year tune-up. So you know your garage door will always work as it was designed and, most importantly, safely. Every six months, they'll come and lubricate the door, tighten the nuts and bolts, which always loosen up, adjust the springs if they need to, and check out the moving parts. And it's, as I say, very inexpensive. So sign up for it now, and you don't get trapped at home because your garage door will thank you for it and work just like you want it to from here on out. Call above the rest. Ask about the membership program, 719-499-0491. Things break around the house. That's why there's the Around the House program with Ken Moon. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. Okay, it's 20 minutes after the hour on the Around the House program. Don't forget, another reminder about the podcast will be available within an hour or two after we go off the air today. You can go back to uh, July with the uh, current podcast of the Springs-based program, and uh, you can do that you can go to the KRDO site, directkrdo.com slash radio, I think. Uh, you can go to my site, aroundthehouse.com, and click on the Listen to Podcast. And by the way, I had a, a buddy uh, of mine lives out of town up in a Denver metro area. How do I listen to your program? Well, there's a Listen Live button, again, that goes through the KRDO site right there uh, on aroundthehouse.com. Just click on Listen Live, and, and that's what you do no matter where you are. Uh, live around the planet, as they say, on the Around the House website, aroundthehouse.com. Uh, let's see. Marnie says, I live in a 31-year-old house with squeaky floors that bug me. The basement's finished. What's the best way to go at this? Well, there's it's a mixed bag here. For isolated squeaks under carpet, you can try one of two fixes. There is a squeak repair kit at the hardware store or online which has breakaway screw heads that you insert them directly through the carpet pad and the plywood floor into the underlying floor joist, and eventually the screw head breaks off. But the problem is, uh, is you can wind up the carpet uh, fibers, uh, and uh, that's not a good thing. Uh, it's like you, you know, like pulling a a thread out of a, a you know out of a sweater that's knitted. You get the idea. Uh, at Berber's carpets especially are vulnerable to this. You'll have a, a long thread missing in your carpet. Uh, so it's uh, you can try that, but it's a better idea to try to drive some nails into directly into the carpet. Now, this sounds invasive and doesn't sound logical, I guess, but there's such a thing as a 16-penny casing nail, which is a small-headed nail, you can get the galvanized variety because galvanized nails tend to be rougher and uh, and hold a little you know hold a little more firmly. Once you you can drive them directly into the floor joist through the carpet and the pad until the squeaks are silenced, uh, and that's you know, that's easy to do uh, once you know where the joists are. Now, how you figure out where the floor joists are under your floor? Uh, well, you, you can go to a heat vent. 
Usually a heat vent is halfway between two floor joists, and you can you can find one of the joists and then measure over 16 inches. Uh, usually it's 16 or 12 between floor joists and drive those 16-penny casing nails in. Of course, the, the, the ultimate way to fix these floor pops and squeaks, Marnie, is to hire a carpet layer to come in and unhook the carpet, flop it, a carpet on the pad back, and then use your power screwdriver to drive deck screws right into the plywood floor it's this is a piece of cake you can just walk right down each of the joists screw the deck screws in and it'll tighten everything up and those squeaks and pops will definitely go away it's uh, it's easy to do but you got to have the carpet layer there to unhook the carpet and then to hook it back and, and stretch it back uh, in the room put the carpet pad back and all that so uh, that's the, there's some there's three ways to do this. Of course, if you have access underneath the floor, which you don't, but many people do, you can put. Uh, there's lots of ways you can put little L brackets under there to suck the floor down a tighter to the floor joist. You can put some wedges in. There's lots of ways to silence a floor from underneath, but from on top, your options are limited. The, the breakaway screw heads, as I mentioned, driving the 16-penny galvanized casing nails into the floor joists. And it isn't going to take too many of them because usually these floor squeaks and pops are pretty isolated. And usually if you put a little extra stress uh, in, the, in the floorboards, in the plywood floorboards, uh, the squeak and pop will just definitely go uh, go away. So I hope that's helpful to you they can be pretty irritating in an older house the reason floors squeak and pop is because the folks that put the floor in didn't use enough glue now when we put floorboards in we used to do plywood plywood's pretty expensive now so we use what we call uh osb which is a strand board uh, kind of a particle board uh that we we use now uh and and instead of plywood but it's a similar it's a four by eight sheet and we put glue on top of the floor joists and then use a power staple or nail or screw or something to hold the the, the, the floorboards down until the glue sets. So you got to put enough, uh, you know, put secure the plywood or the OSB to the joist firmly enough so the glue will do its thing and set up. Now, if on the other hand, when the, your floor went in, if they put the glue down and then went to lunch and the glue dried and cured uh, prematurely. Uh, that may be the problem. There may not be enough glue and adhesion and bondage between the floor and the floor joist. So that's what's going on there. 719-473-1240. D says we have a brick fireplace. How do we get the soot and the smoke off? Well, this sounds, again, kind of invasive, but it works pretty well. The best approach is to use a plumber's propane torch to actually burn it off. You have to be careful. If you you have to, you have to kind of the flame needs to go back and forth and back and forth. What you're doing there's a their soot is actually carbon particles that you actually combust with the torch. But don't aim the torch in one particular location uh, more than you have to because you can crack the bricks. So, so that's really the if you can. I mean, people want to use liquid, uh, maybe like goof off or mineral spirits all that does is kind of smudge the soot around because soot the the carbon particles are so fine that they act like a liquid so if you try to use mineral spirits or something all you do is kind of spread them around a little bit but burning the soot off is a good way to go some people 
if you want to redecorate your family room, I've seen people do this a lot, is to paint the, the brick on the fireplace. You can put a, you have to put a primer on first like Kills or, or Bullseye 1, 2, 3. But painting brick, if it's particularly if it's an old-fashioned dark color, is a pretty good idea. It lightens up the family room. It's make, a way to make a decorating statement. And it covers up all that old dirt and soot around the uh, around the fireplace opening so that's another option to think about if you have an old-fashioned house and things are dark dark paneling dark trim dark carpet in the family room you want to lighten things up painting the brick is a easy and inexpensive way to do it and you can do it uh yourself uh for <clears throat> glass doors and frames around your fireplace uh liquid stovetop glass stovetop cleaner works pretty well for that or you can try your favorite a home remedy uh, for um, for the uh, there'll be some soot and some residue on those metal parts around the the glass doors and so yeah like like stovetop cleaner works pretty well uh, for that so uh, I'll leave that up to you but burning that soot off is the best way to go now you're not going to get all of it I want to caution you that it, you're going to get most of it but there still may be some discoloration there because uh, it, it's just it's, you know the the soot since it acts like uh, a liquid the soot is going to have soaked into the brick because brick is a very porous spongy like material and anything like that soot will 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 soak in big time 7194731240 michael says you wrote about greasing the garage door do you have to remove the old grease first yeah if you have grease on your garage door you got to get rid of it and you should never have put grease on your garage door axle grease or lithium grease or household grease of any kind is a no-no on a garage door because it picks up dirt and and forms a mess and makes a uh, you know if you brush against it it's it's wicked on your clothing and so on so you really need to get some mineral spirits and a rag and remove all that old grease from the tracks uh mostly it's in the tracks of the garage door and start over uh we had ed from above the rest garage door company on our show uh, a couple of months ago and we talked about this less is better when you lubricate your garage door so a little spray i don't like wd-40 teflon spray is pretty good uh and if you spray the rollers on the track so you just get a minimum amount of of uh, lubrication the secret with lubricating a garage door or even an interior door like the, the door that goes out from the house to the garage or your front door is a minimum amount of lubrication just enough to stop stop the squeaking squeaking of course in in a door means there's stress in the hinges or the rollers of your garage door uh so uh getting a little liquid uh, lubricant in there in the tracks and on the rollers themselves and on the hinges of the garage door is just is is all you need to do and you don't need much less as i say is better you don't want to spray enough liquid lubricant on there to have it running down the door or dripping on the floor just a little bit you can uh, do the chain too that lifts up the garage door you can spray the lubrication on a rag and rub the chain just just a little bit of minimal lubrication on your garage door uh, is uh, is a great idea and certainly no grease grease does nothing but make a mess it works i'll grant you that but it's messy and dirty and not necessary your garage door just needs a, a little bit of liquid lubricant just to cut down on the friction, especially that track where it curves 
above the floor, about six feet off the floor, seven feet off the floor. That curb is where all the stress is. You want to put a little, spray a little in that track right there. A little on the rollers and the hinges, and that's it. As I say, I like the Teflon spray, but there are other uh, like silicone-based sprays and things you can try. Uh, if you need a tune-up on your garage door, of course, and if you haven't had one in uh, several years, you want to call the Above the Rest Company, my sponsor, and they'll get right out and get that baby tuned up for you uh, in no time. And so it'll quiet down everything, and your garage door will thank you for it. 719-473-1240, time for a, another break. Give us a call right here on the Around the House program. We'll be right back. How the windows at that casa of yours, if they're ugly and old, like maybe you have wood windows from the 80s, aluminum and steel windows from the 60s and 70s, you're wasting a lot of energy. Even if you have storm windows, you need to get some good energy efficient vinyl windows on your house and the folks to call is dutch's home improvement 719-392-1369 you know natural gas prices are going one direction and that's up and the temperature goes down your bills go up you get the idea you want to want to save energy where you can and your windows are big energy wasters they're nothing but holes in the side of your house so call Dutchess, get some energy-efficient vinyl windows on your house. Your house will look younger than its age. It'll be a nice facelift, and it'll be much more energy-efficient. Dutch has been around over 30 years. Customer service is a big deal. I've met Gary, the owner, and that's that's his top priority is good customer service. So give him a call. Get some new windows on your house, 719-392-1369 for Dutchess. Fix-It videos can be so confusing. Let Ken Moon walk you through it on Around the House. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. It's 24 minutes before the hour on the Around the House program. Let's talk to our friend Steve on line one. Steve, you're on the air. Hey, what's going on, buddy? Good afternoon, Ken. How was your Siberian Saturday? Oh, uh, Yeah. I'm anxious for spring. I know I shouldn't whine about it and stuff. But I got a lot of many of my friends, and they're weird in a way. That I love the cold and I love the snow, and uh, I'm not among them. I just, you know, I, I, I that's, I guess maybe because I'm getting old. But uh, I, as I've said many times, I think the Lord gives us uh, winter, so we appreciate spring more, something like that. What's going on with you today? Exactly, a little gratitude when it warms up is a good thing. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't agree with you more. Teflon spray is so vastly superior. I gave up on silicon spray because of the dirt collection and grease issue. Yeah. And then, um, I don't like the smell of WD 40. That's just a personal thing with me. I don't know why I just don't, but anyway, well, WD 40, I don't like the smell. The only thing it's good for is getting like stains out of clothing, grease stains and stuff that to my mind. But yeah. anyway, yeah. you know, we talked about uh, these EV batteries and well, first of all, just, Back to basics. You shouldn't have to bribe people or force them to do something if it's a good idea. And $7,500 tax credit, all right, we're, that's what the power and control freaks want. But the issue I was talking about is I've been doing a little research on them, and the fire departments around the country don't even really have a standard protocol for putting out these lithium battery fires from two issues. Number one, most people may or may not be aware, but those batteries are composed of many, 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 many cells. And you get one battery short, one cell shorted out, and you get an overtemp, and that thing starts on fire, they burn hot. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, I asked I, I don't know what the protocols, if there are any, I know water won't put out those well, fires. 
Well, they, well, yeah, that's why I'm going. They just I'm have to burn, right? So, yeah, so I contacted this friend of mine. He's a battalion chief at the fire department in Briargate. He says, huh, good question. So uh, he calls me back later and, and also texts me. And there is no standard protocol. They just kind of let it burn. But in one case, on one of his fire department websites, it burned for like these three or four hours. They put 30,000 gallons of water on it. Still didn't put it out. So I just uh, probably most of that water was just to cool down the surroundings, so they sure. wouldn't catch sure. on fire, right? Sure. And then uh, I'm going back a little bit. You know, I told you about the urban renewal project going on, where they're chopping out sidewalk, curb, gutter, replacing it, and pouring concrete in the dead of winter and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, I had uh, touched base with the project supervisor, this guy Kevin. Just you know, stop by, give me a card. And, of course, he forgot and whatever. So you have a lot of listeners in Firegate. And guaranteed, if you have a corner house, this thing is going really slow. We'll be lucky to be done by Memorial Day. They're going up, you know, corner by corner by corner. And we just have They're putting in those little, little handicap slots, are they? Yeah. Yeah. And, then, you know, and then they're going to resurface when they get the curb, gutter, sidewalk done. But uh, I thought I ought to pass on because a lot of people are unaware of it is that if you have one of these corner houses, of course, there's four corners on every street intersection, is that almost guaranteed they're going to chop into the sprinkler system, number one. Number two, <laughs> yeah. I actually went out there when they were replacing 15 feet that they chopped into because they tend to run around sidewalk lines. And I told this guy, Kevin, on a warm day, because you and I believe the same way, need to aerate, or excuse me, water, winterize during these warm, dry sessions. Well, sure enough, they did mark the sprinkler heads on the on the corner there, so they're doing a nice nine degree pattern out there in the streets. So I just said, uh, you know, we got to get back here when it warms up. Fix this. They could have marked it. So a lot of people are going to want to know that, yeah, because you got four corners in every street, and it is a mess. Well, I don't want to turn this anyway. show into a pet peeve of the day, but I have noticed around town that they tend to repave streets that don't make a lot of sense. For instance. Uh, like side streets and residential subdivisions, while the main streets are potholed like third world countries, like Maisland Road is one, Circle Drive north of Platte is 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 like uh, is just terrible, and uh, I don't know where the priorities come from. So they're spending money on curb and gutter in Ryergate, which is fine, but are there higher priorities with boulevard type streets and so on? So. I don't know who runs around town and sets these priorities. I'm curious. And, and you're right. You need to get these arterials in shape, number one, before you go to everything else. That's exactly uh, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, the, back to the EV batteries. Um, the, the, the EV batteries, if they wear out, which they will, of course, ultimately, it's a $10,000 deal to get a new battery in, ish, ish give or take 10000 bucks. But now, what do we do with the old batteries? And they haven't addressed that either. Nope. Where, do, where do we put you know, those? All they, can, all, all they can do is bury them, number one. Yeah. Number two, the cost of EV batteries has gone up from around eight, 9000 to eleven, twelve thousand, 12000 And then number three, staggering to me, these things are not by any means environmentally friendly in getting materials for production. It used to be around... 235,000 pounds of material to get to lithium and cobalt. And now it's up over 500,000 as we continue to mine it. 
Well, there's evidence, yeah, like right. especially in the Congo, parts of the world, in, in right. West West Africa, where they're using right. child labor and slave labor and stuff. Right. It's just a mess. Right. It's a mess, but and nobody's China, thought thought it through. So. Yeah, and China owns those mines because they oh, have yeah. infrastructure, and they're using child labor, slave labor. It's and, a mess. I don't get it. Maybe we'll get through it. I hope so. Well, there's rare, all you know, kinds of rare earth uh, minerals that are needed for wind yeah. turbines. Uh, that yep. uh, for the turbines uh, themselves, and those are pretty much controlled by China also, and that's a dirty little secret. Well, you know, uh, this all comes down, note. Steve, this all comes down to a couple of concepts. There's an unlimited supply of good ideas when you're spending somebody else's money. That's one. The other one is there's an unlimited supply of virtue signaling without saying then what. And it's the then Absolutely. what that gets Nobody. us into problems. Yeah, this this group it is virtue signaling. Feel good. We don't care what the cost benefit is. We don't care what the consequences are. It just feels good and right. Let's do absolutely. It. Yep, yep. It's like the, yeah. we're back to the plastic bag thing and all of these issues. It takes a lot more energy and a lot more creates a lot more waste to make a paper bag than a plastic bag. But who? Let's don't. You know how? Uh, let's don't think about you that. Know that. You know how that old movie uh, with Dustin Hoffman. He is talking about getting out of college and stuff, and this old guy goes, son, invest in plastic. Oh, well, oh, I'll that's, tell you what. Since, that since was the graduate. Are, the graduate. Yeah. Since a bag is a little under a penny of cost and was already factored in to the cost of goods and services that you buy at a grocery store or convenience store, now it's 10 times that. So anytime you can make 10x on something, unfortunately, the government takes 60% of that. Oh, yeah. But oh, yeah. What, other th- what other thing is there? where you can make 10x on the cost of a good produced. I don't know. Makes the jewelers blush, you know, because they're, they're, they do Keystone times two type thing, you know, two times two. But, yeah. no, you're right. I'm not paying 10 cents a bag. I'm sorry. Uh, by the way, a dirty little secret is you can go on Amazon and buy plastic bags, and I think it's eight or nine bucks for a hundred, something like that. Yeah, It's the right. bag. The bags just say thank you on the side that small businesses order. So there's still plastic bags uh, yeah, available. Yeah, yeah. Huh? Yeah, not the company logo, but they're ordering so many. But, yes, we have ordered a bunch on Amazon because they have not figured out a way yet to use the reusable cloth bags for cat poop, dog poop, diaper poop. It's just not working. <laughs> well, I, I think – did I say this, Chris, on the air before? I think that one of the unintended consequences of getting rid of plastic bags, there'll be more dog poop in the world because people will just let it lie and off you go. And, um, well, here's the solution for that. You know, we got the porch pirates. You take the dog poop, you put it in an Amazon box, leave it on your porch, goes away. <laughs> <laughs> Let them steal it, right? <laughs> yeah, I appreciate the, your insights and clarity as ever. All right, buddy. Thanks a million. I appreciate your call. Or you could teach dogs how to use litter boxes. That's another idea. So, um, you know, do what you want to do. It's quarter till the hour. We're going to take a break now. I always enjoy Steve's calls. We'll be back with your calls, 719 719- 473-1240 and email from this week right after this. I want to talk about click heating and air. I met with Jim, the owner, this week, and he reminded me of something that I heard about a few months ago. New government regulations are coming along, naturally, right? Where you'll be paying a lot more for central air because the 13-seer air conditioners are going bye-bye. But 
Click has a limited supply that you need to get involved with before you spend a thousand or more dollars to put AC in your house. Life's too short not to have central air. So call them right now. Call Click Heating and Air and get in the queue to get the less expensive 13 series air conditioners, which by the way are just fine before the government regulations kick in. 719-782-5425 for Click. And uh, if you mention around the house, uh, or my name, you can get a $79 furnace, full furnace service, which you ha- if you haven't done it this year, you got to get that done. Click heating and air, get central AC, but it's only available for a limited time. Then you'll be paying a thousand bucks more. Give them a call 782-5425. Got a fix it problem at your house? Ken Moon is here to help. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. Welcome back. 11 minutes before the hour on the Around the House program. Once again, a shout out to KTWO up in Casper carrying the program. We're glad you're with us up there in, in the Cowboy State. Casper's a nice town. A lot of friends still up there. Leah, which happens to be the name of my daughter, my beloved daughter, by the way. But Leah sent me an email. Not my daughter, but another one. <laughs> I have a 1983 house. The walls are cold. Could I add some insulation into the wall cavities? Probably not. In that era, 83, we were putting in a about a three-inch, three-and-a-half-inch insulation bat into the wall spaces. So they're pretty well filled up. It would be hard to get any uh, significant amount of new material in there. Plus, we're not even talking about the wires and pipes and two-by-four fire stopping and cross-bracing in walls. It's really uh, pretty hard to add insulation after the fact. One exception is the houses built in the 50s particularly brick veneer houses it's unbelievable to think about today many of them had no insulation at all in the wall cavities or a limited amount you can these are old houses 60 70 years old or older Uh, you can have that checked out by an insulation contractor you can usually uh, remove uh, an outlet in the wall and probe around and see if there's no insulation in there at all then they can blow in you can inject foam you can put in blow in cellulose by ad- by drilling some small holes and that kind of thing but that's a limited supply of housing most houses by now have enough insulation in the walls that you really can't add any more that's the, uh, the the negative news the positive news is that you want to get the attic done if you've Walls, you know, it's fine to do the walls, but that's not the big heat waster in your house. The big heat waster uh, wasters are windows. Uh, your windows are nothing but big holes in the side of your house. So you want to call Dutch's and get some new vinyl windows in there. And also the attic. You want to upgrade your attic insulation. You want 14 to 16 inches of insulation in your attic, whether it's fiberglass or cellulose. The total, it doesn't matter how many different kinds of insulation you have, as long as the vertical total is about 15, give or take 15, 16 inches, for about an R45 to R50. That's the recommendation right now for attic insulation. Once you've done those two things, the new windows, attic insulation, and a new furnace, a new ring furnace from my buddies over there at Click Heating and Air would be a, a, a great. That's the that's another way to save significant amounts of energy. If you have an old furnace that's 20, 25 years old or older, it's probably less than uh, 60% efficient by now. If you buy a new furnace, even a basic furnace, I like Ream as I've told you, that's my favorite brand. You get about 80% efficiency just by buying a new furnace. 
So those three things, attic insulation, new windows, new furnace, you've done probably 80 to 90% of what you need to do to save energy at your house. Leo, wall insulation, yeah, I know it's important, but it's kind of too late now in a 1983 house to add insulation uh, that would justify the cost. And there's there's no easy way except for thermal imaging cameras to tell if you've gotten all that insulation down there anyway i guarantee you there's enough wires with plugs and switches and stuff to keep insulation from getting down deep into those cavities so i would not do the walls i would do the attic the windows and the new furnace and that way you're going to uh, uh, do everything you need to do to save energy and there are other marginal ways to save energy getting a new electronic uh, setback thermostat saves you two percent or so of your uh, annual uh, electric bill for heating and cooling uh, and natural gas, by the way, because it remembers to turn the furnace down when you go to bed. So uh, caulking around windows and doors, if if you need to recaulk because it's all cracked, that's a good thing to do. Storm doors, front and back. An insulated garage door, that's a big deal because uh, your garage, uh, again, we're talking about a 16 in most houses, 16 by 7 hole in the house, that's the garage door, and that leaks a lot of heat out into the great outdoors. So uh, marginal amounts of energy can be saved by just doing the little things. By little things, again, storm door, new thermostat, caulking and sealing, uh, little the little foam pads around your outlet outlets and your switches, particularly on north-facing walls. That's very, very uh, helpful uh, to, uh, to save just little marginal amounts of, uh, of energy. So... Uh, and window coverings, of course, let's don't overlook those. Cellular shades, insulated drapes, those all help big time to save energy. But again, Leah, it's a long roundabout way to tell you don't waste your money on insulating, upgrading the insulation in your uh, in your walls. It really is, a, is, is just a wild goose chase, so to speak. Let's see, what else do we have here as we wrap up the show? Uh, I recently, this is from Debbie, I recently overwatered a plant on a wood floor. The boards now have small ridges along the edges. Is there an easy uh, way to flatten out the floorboards? Now, not really. Sooner or later, you're going to have to sand it, and you can't really do this by hand. You're going to have to get a floor company to refinish that floor. So it's They can usually do a limited area like that, but um, once you remove the moisture source, don't overwater anymore on that wood floor and let the floor dry out to it. We want 19% or less uh, humidity uh, uh, or moisture content in that wood floor, it'll shrink back a little bit, but it'll never go back to the exact way that it was. And the the high spots, that swelling along the edges of the of the wood, uh, that that'll lower a little bit. But uh, you know what? I it, you're going to have to get a refinish sooner or later. It's nothing you can do your uh, yourself if the moisture is on the outside wall of course you can cover it with furniture or rugs and that that sort of thing uh, but this is a good lesson <clears throat> when you have plants resting on a wood floor you need double protection which to me is maybe you have a terracotta basin under your under your flower pot but you want a plastic basin under that as double protection to keep the water off of that wood floor so you might be able to, in the meantime if it's if if it you didn't say here you said it was risen up a little bit if the color has bleached out a little bit from watering the plants 
you can use a little uh, old English. Uh, you can use some stain, uh, old-fashioned wood stain on a rag to kind of touch up those areas if you like. But the ridges along that wood floor are going to have to be looked at by uh, uh, by a, a regular contractor, like a floor contractor uh, that does hardwood floor finishing. Really quick here, Gene says, I plan to remodel the bathroom, place the shower in a wall with a window. What do I need con to consider making this change? Um, you want to make sure it's a vinyl window for sure. Not It's not an ideal situation, but like we talked about early in the show, you want to make sure uh, that the windowsill is sloped a little bit, that the seal uh, around that is, is you pay particular attention uh, to the seal around that new vinyl window. That's the way to go. Vinyl in a space like that is a big deal. Uh, and, and the sloped windowsill and caulk really assiduously around that new window and as i indicated uh, earlier in the program make sure that in spite of all the precautions the slope windowsill the extra caulking the good grout sealing the grout and all that you want to make sure that you use a vinyl curtain over that window that's a big deal to keep water from splashing into that the, the window and the window frame and the windowsill and so on so a vinyl curtain over the window is really uh, a must no matter how careful you are when you install the new window so thanks for that email well that's all she wrote uh, the podcast um, uh, chris will put it up here within an hour or two of uh, when the show's over and you can go to all the podcasts uh, at my site aroundthehouse.com and click and download them and do whatever you want with them going back about eight months now or so so i hope you have a great week god bless chris moyer matt mckinley thanks and the control room is always We'll see you next time. If you want to email me during the week, it's aroundthehouse.com. Have a great week. See you next time right here on Around the House.